Bible says, for we have no continuing city, yet we seek one to come. I'm glad this is not all that we have. I'm glad there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. If you're saved and born again today, that is a good reason to give thanks to the Lord. Good reason to give thanks to the Lord. You may have seen the uh, the table in the foyer. The, if you take a walk by there, take a look at it. This is the Clower family. They're, they're missionaries to Mozambique. You say, well, I don't really know them. I haven't talked to them. Well, go over there and talk to them. That's what you need to do. And uh, they're from Vision Baptist. They have a relationship with them and Jeff Bush, who are they're great friends of this church. And he's going to give. We're going to give him a little bit of time today to present his ministry a little later on. Um, let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to ask the Lord to bless this time together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for an opportunity to be in church today. Church is a good idea because it's your idea. And Lord, there's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than to be in your house. And Lord. As we try to sing for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ, help us preach for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And if somebody's here or earshot or Facebook or anywhere that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that uh, today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, we just thank you. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. church one day just to hear them sing and praise the preacher firmly plowed that old gospel plow now he said you must repent so down the aisle I went now it's different oh so different now it's different now since Jesus saved my soul. It's different now since by his blood I'm whole. Now old Satan had to flee when Jesus rescued me. Now it's different. my hopes are bright I just praise him day and night how he could save this old country boy's heart I knew not how but praise the Lord it's done the victory now is won now it's different yes it's whole so different now it's different now since Jesus saved my soul. It's different now since by his blood I'm whole. Now old Satan had to flee when Jesus rescued me. Now it's different, yes, it's whole. So different now. 
big as God moves in on your life, it's going to be different. Amen. Amen. Like I said earlier, we have the Clower family here, and they are missionaries to Mozambique, Africa. And I said this early in jest, but it, it's true. Some, some people may not even know how to spell it. And I'm glad he puts the map on here on the back so you know where it is. But whether you know where it is or you, know, you don't know how to spell it or you don't know where it is, God knows there's souls there that need to be saved and born again. So he's put some people named the Clowers to go over there and preach the gospel to them. And he's going to come up, present his ministry, and introduce us to his family. It's good to have him this morning. Make sure you stop by, grab some of his prayer cards, be praying for him. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Well, my name is Jacob Clower, my wife Kristen, and our little baby Everly. She is almost three months old. And God has called us to go to the country of Mozambique, Africa. We're so excited that we get to be here today with you and share with you what God has called us to do. I want to share with you my testimony and then um, tell you about God, what, what God has called us to do in Mozambique. And um, then after that, we will show um, our short video with you um, this morning. So my testimony is this, that I was raised up in a Christian home. I was raised up in a place where my mom and dad, they took me to church. They read the Bible to me, and I can tell you that I do not remember the first time that I heard the gospel. I don't remember the first time that I heard God's word. I don't remember the first time I went to church because I was born in a Christian home. I had Christian parents, and that's such a blessing. That's, I'm so glad and so thankful that the Lord let me be born in a family like that. And I know that at the age of six years old, I recognized that I was lost, that I was on my way to hell, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. And I, I thank God I had that chance and that opportunity, but the reality of the world today is that most people all over the world, sadly, some even in America today, don't have that chance. Don't have the chance to be raised in a Christian home, don't have the chance to go to a church, don't have the chance to hear the gospel and to be saved. I was raised up in a Christian home. I got saved, and, you know, I wish I could say from that very second that I got saved at six years old that I just lived the perfect Christian life. Anyone else wish that too? Well, I wish I just did right all the time and just lived the perfect life, but I can tell you that I didn't. But when I was a teenager, there was a man that got up and preached from the Bible and he preached from 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, where the Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I sat there that day as a teenager. I knew that I was saved. I knew that I was on my way to heaven, but I was not really living for Jesus like I should. The, the passage is clear. Ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. That price being the blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross, but I was really living for me. But I got on my face that day as a teenager, and I said, Lord, I just want to live for you. I want to live for Jesus Christ. And, you know, it would have been wonderful if the Lord had just called me into ministry that day, called me to preach, called me to be a missionary, but he didn't. I went to school, I got a degree, I started working a full-time job, and I really wanted to serve God. When I was a teenager, let me back up for one second. When I was a teenager, I said, I, want, I just wanted to serve Jesus. And I went to my pastor, 
And I said, Pastor, I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve Jesus. And what can I do? And I had a really good pastor. And he gave me a vacuum cleaner. And he said, you can vacuum the church. And he gave me some bulletins. He said, you know, you can fold these bulletins um, before services on Sunday. And you know what? I loved it because I got to serve the Lord. Whatever way, I, whatever way I could, I just wanted to serve Jesus Christ. Later down the road, he let me start teaching a Sunday school class, and I was just growing and working in my church. I was working a full-time job, and I wasn't called into ministry, but the Lord let me go overseas. He let me go to places where they don't have Christian homes, where they don't have Christian parents, where they don't have churches, some places that don't even have Bibles. And I got to go overseas and see that there are real people that are on their way to a real hell because they don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know that Jesus Christ came and paid the price for them. They don't know about they don't know about him. And how sad it is, but the truth is if if we really believe this Bible, people are on their way to hell today because they don't know Jesus Christ. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to think about that truth, but it, it it's the truth from God's word. And what are we doing to reach the world with the gospel? What are we doing to get this good news to people? I got to go overseas. I got to see it with my own eyes. I saw people worshiping idols in China. I got to see people, literally a man and his little boy, bow down and worship this 10, 20-foot idol that cannot give them salvation, that cannot give them hope. If their temple caught fire, they would have to go get their God and carry it out on their back to save their God. Their God has no power, but they don't know Jesus Christ who does have power. And they need to know. I got to see it, and the Lord really broke my heart. So what are we doing about this? And I, I got on my face before the Lord, and I just said, Lord, if you want to use me, you can have me. I'll be a missionary. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And as I began to really seek the Lord and pray and ask what he would have me to do, I surrendered to the call to preach and surrendered to the call to be a foreign missionary. Chris and I were married, and we began to pray together about where the Lord would have us to go because you could go to any place, any country, and we see all these flags here. There's a need in all of these places, even in America today. We just began to seek the Lord, and where would you have us to go? We were praying over countries all over the world, and we began to pray about this country called Mozambique. Um, it's a country that most people really have never heard of. Most people don't know about this country called Mozambique, uh, but it's a country in Southeast Africa. It's a population of over 30 million people. 65% of the people there are under the age of 25, and there's a great need in this country for the gospel. Uh, Chris and I, we were praying about it, and the Lord, as the Lord directed, we went to go and see it for ourselves, to see if that's where the Lord would have us to go. And we met up with a missionary who'd been working in the capital city for about uh, 12 years. And I just asked him, I said, how many missionaries are working in this country? You've been here for 12 years. How many people are working, teaching, and preaching the truth? And he said that he only knew of himself and one other man in the capital city and less than five in the whole country. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm excited this morning because I'm, I'm hearing, I, as we go to churches, I hear testimonies from people that, hey, someone has been working there. People are working there in Mozambique. Uh, I'm hoping and praying that there's more than five people that are working in the country of Mozambique because they need the gospel. They need the truth. 
But this missionary said, my wife and I, we've been praying that God would send more people to Mozambique because there's a great need here for the gospel. 30 million people, just a handful of missionaries, there's a great need in this country. We, um, we were able to go and speak with a man that had been saved by the work of this missionary. His name was Helio. And I asked Helio, I said, Helio, when did you first hear the gospel? When did you first hear a true, clear gospel? And he said, well, I had gone to church in the past. I had gone to a church before, but the gospel that they preached was do all these good works and God will be really good to you. Give us your money. Give God your money and God will give you a lot of money. That, that was the gospel that he heard. He, he didn't hear anything about he was a sinner. He didn't hear anything about Jesus Christ dying for him. He, he never heard that the, the true gospel that we know, that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and was buried and resurrected three days later victoriously over sin, death, and hell. He, he, he never heard that truth. He said, but a missionary came and shared the gospel with me, and he said, I was so excited to hear the truth, and he got saved. And this man, he, he's been growing, he's been learning the Bible, and he said when we went to visit, he had just moved outside of the city to build himself a home for him and his family. And he said, you know, I can't go to my church anymore. I can't go all the way back there every Sunday for church. He said, but what I can do is I can have a Bible study in my house. And he said, I just go out into my community and say, hey, come to Bible study with me on Sunday morning at my house. Come study the Bible with me. And as a testimony to how open and receptive I believe the people are, he has a house full of people every Sunday learning the Bible and learning about Jesus Christ. And he asked me, he said, do you think you would come to this place and help us preach the gospel? We need, more, we need preachers. We need people to teach the gospel, teach Jesus Christ in this place. It's our plan to move over to Mozambique in about a year and a half from now, January of 2024. And it's our plan to, number one, we need to learn the Portuguese language. So we will we'll learn the language, and in doing so, we want to begin preaching the gospel and telling people that Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ has done something for them. Start sharing that truth. And we believe God's called us to go, and God's going to save souls. We just have to be obedient to what God has asked us to do, and he's going to do a great work. And we want to go and start preaching the gospel, see souls saved. We don't want to leave people just right here. And being saved. Being saved is great. We need to see souls saved, but we don't want to leave them right here at salvation. We want to teach them to live for Jesus Christ. To begin discipling these people, teaching them to live for Jesus. And we believe in doing so that there will be some young men that will stand up and say, Hey, I believe God's calling me to preach. God's calling me into ministry. And we want to teach these young men to preach and teach the gospel. And it's our goal to plant churches all over the country of Mozambique, Africa. So if you would please pray for us as we go, as we continue to raise our support, and pray that God would begin working in hearts now. Because we know that we serve a God that is powerful, that is able, and he can go right now ahead of us and start softening hearts and working in hearts for those people that we're going to reach in Mozambique. So thank you so much for letting us be here today. It's such a joy to be here. We're so thankful. And we have a short video that we'd like to share. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. He said he was ready to go preach the gospel to Mozambique. I think of Paul in the book of Acts. He said, I cease not to warn them day and night with tears. Speaking of Ephesus, have we lost a tear for a lost and dying world? Is hell real to you? The lake of fire, is that real? I've seen a lake and I've seen fire, but I've never seen a lake of fire. 
There's people dying and going to the devil's hell every day. That cashier down at Publix you deal with every day, she's dying and going to the devil's hell if she don't know Jesus Christ. That one across the street at the restaurant we're going to, cease not, warn, weeping. When was the last time we got serious about it? God was serious about it. He sent his only begotten son to die for us so people wouldn't have to go to that place called hell. I'm glad he saved me. I'm glad I'm, glad I'm born again, but that doesn't give me a right to just walk away from it and say, hey, you deal with it. The Bible says everybody needs to go out and preach the gospel to every living creature. If it moves, preach to it. Amen. I got squirrels in my backyard, I think, are saved and born again. I go out there and preach to them. Every creature. Yeah, amen. Amen. We're praying for you, brother. We'll have offering plates in the back. If God puts on your heart to uh, give to them, uh, do it. Give to them. Mozambique. We'll be praying for you, brother. That, that's powerful. Somebody, God has put in his heart to get out there. God has put in his heart that they've got worship going on. They've got gods over there, but they don't have a God that can save them. They don't have a God that can sustain them. They don't have a God that can give them peace and joy and happiness that only Jesus Christ can give. What a blessing it is to have you, brother. Thank you for that. That's good. That's good. Open your Bibles this morning. We'll be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Amen. I love church. Pray for the pastor as he's away. I never take this lightly to stand in his pulpit. And uh, I, I, I see it as a privilege and I see it as an honor. And just give me a few minutes here, and I want to preach what God has put on my heart. John chapter 1, verse 35, if you're there, say amen. Amen. You love Jesus. Good place to be. Amen. We're in church house. John 1, 35, the Bible says, Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, Where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. In verse 35, there's a name mentioned. That is John. It's a capital J. That is John the Baptist, where he stood. He had two disciples at this time, and we read in verse 40, one of those disciples was Andrew. The other disciple remains unnamed, but he does not remain unknown. That di disciple that stood with John and Andrew that day was none other than the Apostle John, is what many believe. And the Apostle John would have wrote this, and we, think, we believe he wrote it because there are details in here that would not be important to anyone else's life except for the one that was there. They would be details that somebody would give if they were the first-hand account of an event. And John looks over here, and in verse 39, there's a two-word phrase. It says, that day, and that's what I'm going to preach on today, is that day. Day, the Apostle John. This would have been written. This would, this event would have happened about 30 A.D. Many believe that it was written in 90 A.D. So the Apostle John would look back on some 60 years of his life and through many events and many difficulties and many trials and put his finger on one specific time, one specific day, and one specific hour. And that day was the day that he met Jesus. 
And that day he woke up with John the Baptist as a disciple. He goes to bed with Jesus as a disciple of Jesus. Through John the Baptist he would hear of Jesus, but on that day John would get to meet him. On that day John would become a disciple with 12 other people, but John would never be a disciple if it was not for that day that he met Jesus. John would have walked with Peter and James, and he would have been privileged to many of the events that the other disciples would not have been able to, go, to be part of. The raising of Jairus' daughter, Peter, James, and John was there. The transfiguration, Peter, James, and John was there. They got to hear God speak, this is my, son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But they would have never heard from God. They'd never been in those events if it would have not been for that day. They, went, they were the only three that got to go to Gethsemane with Jesus. All the disciples come forward. Judas is gone, so there's only 11. Jesus tells the disciples to stay back. Peter, James, and John goes further into the garden. Jesus goes a stone's cast further, and they get an eyewitness account of the agony in Gethsemane. But John would have never gotten that if it would not have been for that day. John writes five books of the Bible, the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. But he would not have written those books if it would have not been for that day. On that day, you can say, John's life was changed forever. And on that day, the day that he met Jesus Christ, his life was changed for the better. And if you're saved and born again today, your life has been changed forever. Brother Tiny, it's different now, and praise God it is. I don't run that way anymore because of that day Jesus came into my life. It's changed forever, and I'll tell you, the saved life, serving God, preaching the gospel, nursing home, whatever church I'm in, it has gotten better because of that day. Thank God for that day. If it, and then you see John is the only one at the cross of Calvary. He stands at the foot of the cross and he looks up at Jesus and Jesus gives the care of, John, of his own mother to John. Imagine how many things John has picked up and heard from coffee talks with Mary, the mother of Jesus, about his upbringing and about all the miracles in Jesus' life. We can only speculate. We don't know. But if John laid his head on the bosom of Jesus, I'm sure he wanted all the information he could get. But he would have never met Mary, never had her living in his house, never been at the foot of the cross of Calvary if it would not have been for that day. That day changed his life. I pray that day, you have that day in your life. I pray that it's changed you. That day is a, is a day. And I see three events, important events that John recalls on that day. On that day, he found Jesus. Amen. That's a good thing. And on that day, he followed Jesus. Brother Clara, thank you for following Jesus, going to Mozambique. I may never go there. Most people may not go there, but at least God somebody got, got somebody going there. He followed Jesus. And then at the end of the day, he fellowshiped with Jesus. This whole event, that day is a culmination of three events. If you look at John chapter 1 and verse 15... He starts out, this is John the Baptist, apostle. John is walking with him, and he's, bearing, uh, he's witnessing all of these events. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, he puts it down in, in holy writ. And it says, John, bear witness. That's John the Baptist. 
and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And if you read this passage of Scripture, John 15 through about 28, this was the first of three days. John the Baptist is walking. The Apostle John's there. Peter, uh, Andrew's there. And, who, and whoever knows what other disciples that are there. And, and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the religions of that day, they come and they investigate who this Christ is. You've got 39 books of the Old Testament. You've got Genesis 3.15. There is a Christ. There is an anointed one. There's one that's going to come and save us from our sins. And John the Baptist started getting a following. Even Herod had come. It cost him his head. But even Herod came. He didn't back off. He didn't water down his sermons. He looked over and he said, what you're doing is wrong. He put his finger on sin. Sin may change its name, but sin will not change its nature. It's still against God. It's still unholy. And it's still wrong. And John, he said he was one. He was going to prepare the way. They asked him. They said, are you, the, are you Elijah? He said, no. He said, are you the Christ? He said, no. He said, well, then who are you? Look over here in verse 27. He says, I'm not worthy. Amen. He was here to prepare the way. He was not here to make a name for himself. John the Baptist, he came out. He says in John 3.30, I must increase. He must, uh, I must decrease. He must increase. He was a billboard for Jesus Christ. When you drive down the interstate, you see that Chick-fil-A sign, the, the billboard? You don't want to eat the billboard, right? It just points you to where the product is. And that's what John the Baptist did. John said, don't look at me, look at him. He said, I'm not worthy to unlatch at his shoes. And I'll tell you, he says that we are dust. We are made from the dust of this earth. And if we ever get above being just dirt on this earth, we've got too highly of ourselves. John says, he says, I, I, I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not that prophet. I'm not worthy. That's a good place for Christians to be today. You go out and give the gospel track out. Don't do it to put, put eyes on you. You say, well, I didn't get an opportunity. We don't take opportunities as Christians. We make them. You go out and give the gospel track and know that you ain't worthy to serve the king. And go out and tell somebody that Jesus saves. Somebody said one time, we may easily be too big for God to use, but never too small. That's a good way to be. The investigation of John the Baptist, so you're not the Christ. Well, who is this Christ? He said he's the one that was preferred before him. John's six months older than Jesus, but he hadn't given him a name yet. How's he preferred before him? John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, and uh, the Bible says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He's ancient of days. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning of the end. That's how he is. He's, he's preexistent. That Christ is going to be preeminent. He said, I'm not worthy to latch his, his shoes. John was important, but Jesus was most important. John was the voice crying in the wilderness. Jesus was the word. And he says that he says he is going to be, he, he says that on the cross of Calvary, there's that one thief in the middle. He, he, he's the one that says, he says, let me come into your kingdom, right? That's what he told Jesus. In order to come into a kingdom, you must be a king, right? He realizes preeminence. Preeminence is not, it's, it's important to know Jesus. It's important to have Jesus in your life. But he should be preeminent. He should be most important in your life. And that's what he said. He was, 
He was the one. Who is this Christ? He's the one that he's speaking for. He's John the Baptist. That's the one that we're speaking of. And then he says that he was the one sent by God, the very Son of God. That is verse 28 and 29. And he says that that's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's verse 34. He said, and bear record that this is the Son of God. Think about this. On transfiguration, Jesus, God looks down and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. If he would have been of some other religion, he would have said, This is my beloved prophet. I'm well pleased. He didn't say that. Read your Bible. King James. He didn't say, Well, this is my beloved religious leader. This is my beloved last of the prophets. No, he said, this is my son. This is very. This is God in the flesh. This is, he, he didn't turn into God at baptism. He didn't start when he was 30 years old. He always was God, always will be God, and will continue to be God. He put on a robe of flesh, stepped out of heaven, walked this earth for 33 and a half years, died, was buried, rose again the third day, and, and just stepped out. That's the God. That's who this Christ is going to be. And then, day two, here you see it. In verse 29, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He talked about the Christ on day one. Now he puts a name to him. He's walking there with his disciples, and there goes Jesus. He said, Looky here, boys, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God. He revealed the name of Christ as Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah is our salvation. Jesus, is, there's neither, neither is there any name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm glad that Jesus is there and he is the preeminent one spoke of the day before. And then he says he's the Lamb of God. What does that mean? What is the Lamb of God? Every one of those Jews that would have been there would have went back to Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover Lamb. On the Passover Lamb, it says in the Bible that Jesus is our Passover but that Passover lamb, he had to be a lamb without spot. He had to be a sinless sacrifice. You know why you can't save yourself? Because your righteousness is as filthy rags. We're all unclean. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I can't take a dirty washcloth and, and wash dishes and make them clean. I can't save my own soul. But he was a sinless, spotless lamb. You say, how do you know? Thomas stuck his hand in his side. And he said, Behold, my Lord. The Roman centurion who would have nailed the nails into his hands and his feet. He didn't squirm. Jesus didn't cry. He didn't try to get away as many other of the malefactors would have. He willingly gave up his life. And that Roman soldier said, Truly, this is the Son of God. He said, There's something different about him. He's sinless. The, the unrighteous has to die. The righteous has to die. For the unrighteous. The holy has to die for the unholy. The defiled has to, uh, has, has to have a, a sacrifice to make him clean. Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but by his mercy has he saved us. He was a lamb without spot. And that, that lamb in the Passover had to be sprinkled on the doorpost. It's the blood shed for every believer. He's a substitute. He's our sacrifice. That's that Jesus. In, in, in the blood, he said, there's no shedding, without the remit, there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. And then you had to apply it. You had to apply that blood to the doorpost. 
It doesn't matter if you know every historical event that Jesus ever did, where it appears in every gospel, but if you don't have him in your heart and you trust him to be your savior, you'll die and go to a devil's hell. It's a heart knowledge, not a head knowledge. You've got to apply what you know to your heart to get saved and born again. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that Passover lamb, when they threw the blood upon the doorpost, they knew when they did that and applied it to the doorpost, the death angel would pass over them. They would be saved. What's John's conclusion? He just bare record and said, this is the Son of God. That was day two. And then day three was what we read, verse 35 to verse 40. And now we don't see an examination of who this Christ is. We don't see an identification, but we see an introduction. They had heard of him. They had seen him. And now this day they would meet him. And then in verse, uh, chap- chapter 1, verse 36, he says it again, Behold the Lamb of God. If you didn't get it yesterday, we'll get it today. Behold the Lamb of God, the substitute, the sacrifice. Why? For the scope of the whole world. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you got a got a mansion or you got a cardboard box, you got a million dollars in the, in the bank or you got lint in your pockets. If you're black, white, green, yellow, God died for you and he loves you and cares for you and he can save you today. And he saw him and he identified him again and he looks and I don't believe it was an accident. It says the next day after John and two decided, looking upon Jesus, God put him right where he could see him. I don't think it was an accident. Jesus just wasn't meandering around. He knew where people would look for him. And I tell you, as a Christian, if you're looking for him, you'll find him. We flippantly say, he'll never leave us nor forsake us, but as soon as the troubled times come, you act like he's a million miles away. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You just got to realize he's there looking for him. He identified him. He saw him because God put him where he could be seen. If you're not saved and born again uh, today, I want to tell you, God is putting you putting him where you can see him. You can see him. You can see him as the sinless, perfect son of God. And it was no accident. This is the day that John would look upon Jesus, and he wouldn't be afar off, but he'd be close up. I remember that day. It's different now. It's different now. I remember that day. And then on that day, not only did he find Jesus, he followed him. Notice how many times that it says that in this, in this passage, one 137, it says two disciples heard him speak. They followed him. 38, they follow him. And then they, 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 they went to where he dwelt. There's a drawing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 6, in verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent, him, sent me draw me. There's a drawing of the Holy Spirit. It's a call to follow. And Jesus asked these questions. It's interesting. What seek ye? That's, that's red letter in my Bible. It may not be in yours, but it is here. That's Jesus speaking. He said, what are you looking for? And they said unto him, which is to say, Master, where do you live? You say, that's kind of weird. But you give somebody a gospel tract, what's the first thing they ask you? Where do you go to church? I'm trying to tell you that you can get saved, born again, have a home in heaven by believing on Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin and left the crimson stain. He makes it white, white as snow. And you want to know where I occupy my Sundays. Right? Amen. That's not a silly question. And Jesus says, what? He says, what seek ye? 
Men live in darkness. They're blind spiritually. And they are looking for a what? They're looking for education. They're looking financially. They're looking for religion. Religion's not necessarily bad. The devil will just mix in some lies in there. Enough truth to stick the lies together. Keep you out of heaven. Have you occupy your Sundays and, and just go about your way. You just need Sunday morning, not Sunday night or Wednesday. You won't go too much, right? You'll be a fanatic. The devil will do that, right? It's not a what. No matter how much you drink or how much you smoke or, or how many times you go here or go there or, or how much how, your, your economic status or how many, how many diplomas you got on the wall, it's not a what. We believe John, the apostle John, and, and, and his dad and his brother and Peter and Andrew had a pretty lucrative fishing business. They were doing all right for themselves. But it wasn't a what that they needed. It's not a what that Mozambique needs. It's not a what that uh, Gainesville needs. It's not a what. It's a who. It's a who that you need. And that what you need is Jesus Christ. When somebody gets that who, you forget about the what. You don't need them anymore. The first step is realizing your need. Our, our need is not a religious experience. Our need is not a service or a Sunday school pen. I, that, that's where the false gods, the little g gods of this world go. Buddha can't save you from your sins. Muhammad can't save you from your sins because they were all sinners and died as sinners. None of them were sinless and perfect and could die for our sins. And the, and the, and the sin of the whole world was placed upon Jesus Christ and he died for us as us so we could have life. And our need is salvation from our sins. And then you see the invitation. You could stay here and you could just preach and peel this up. It says, come and see. He says, come and see. In chapter 1, he says, come and see. That's, a, that's an invitation. Come and see. I'm telling you now, if you've went to church, that's good. If you've been to Sunday school, that's good. If you, if, but if you've never been saved, that's better. Come and see. Come and see what this Jesus can do for you. Come and see how he can change your life, how he can clean you up, get your thoughts right. Come see me. Come see him. And then in, verse, in chapter 7, I ain't going to preach this, but it says, come and drink. He says, be filled up with the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to keep going back to that well. We're, we're indwelt, but we need to get filled up. We need to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of this flesh. Go out on all cylinders firing and go give the world the gospel. And then he says in verse, chapter 21 and verse 12, come and dine. One day there will be a rest from our labors. Right now, come and see. Right now, come and drink. Right now, just go, go, go for Jesus, and one day we can come and dine, sit at that marriage supper of the Lamb, and we'll have rest forever. And there's an invitation. There's a, there's a call to follow. There's a choice to follow. It, said they, it says, uh, verse 39, and they came and saw where he dwelt. Very simple. It's an inv individual choice to serve the Lord. First step is getting saved and born again. I believe it was D. Campbell Morgan said, you can be a Christian, period, just be saved, or you can be a Christian plus and live in a joyful life. You know what I mean? It says it's an individual choice. I don't see where anyone took a gun to the Apostle John and said, go with Jesus. I don't see where there was probing and prodding on the hands of Jesus, come with me or else. He just simply said, come and see. And if you're saved and born again, God is calling you to do something. Whether it's a ministry in this church, it'll be through the church because that's how God works through the local New Testament church. But if it's to call a loved one, call a family member, a colleague, somebody in your school, teenagers, 
Whatever it is, if God's calling you to do something, it's your choice to follow him. He could have stayed with John the Baptist. He was getting a good following. Jesus really didn't have a following at this time. He didn't go with the popularity. He went with what was right. He knew who Jesus was. It's, and let me tell you right now, you'll say, you'll say, I can't do that. I can't do this. I, I just can't serve him. You can do what God allows you to do. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And if God's telling you to do something, you'll not be happy. Like he said, he vacuumed the floor. You'll not be happy until you do what God wants you to do. You can try to deny it. You can try to push it off. You try to stay busy here. You try to stay busy there. But the Holy Spirit's going to hunt you down. Holy Spirit's going to get you working. And we need people in the church to do their part. And you do your part. And this one does that part. And this one does that part. And they follow Jesus, quit looking around them and keep their eyes on him. And we get things done for Jesus Christ. And then you see a cost to follow. There's a call. There's a choice. And there's a cost. Hold your place here and go to Mark 1. Get through this real quick. We're going to be a little late. Is that all right? Be all right? Be all right? I once said, and I don't want to keep you long, but I preach till God gets done. Not the Baptists get hungry, but I love you guys. Amen. I preach over sleeping Baptists and screaming babies when it comes down to it. Mark 1, 16. This is Jesus, and as he walked by the area of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And 24 hours later, three weeks later, two months later, they took up. Wait, oh, I got a King James. This says straightway. Straightway. They forsook their nets and followed him. And when they had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who we're talking about, who also were in their ship, commending, uh, ship mending their nets. Straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship and the hired servants and went after him. There is a cost to following Jesus. You'll lose some things. John lost some things. He lost his job. That was his finances. He left the, shi- the, the fishing business. See you later, Pop. Jesus is calling me. He left his family. His dad's still on the boat. He had servants there. He lost some family. They're still sitting there. And I'll tell you, you follow Jesus, you'll lose some family. You'll lose some friends. You're not rude or unkind. You don't have to be rude to be right. But you know what? Just standing for Jesus, they want you to go to church. It'll help clean you up. But then you don't go enough and you're a hypocrite. Then you go Sunday morning, Sunday night, revival, Monday through Thursday. You're looking for a church to go to all those other days. Now you're a fanatic. Don't try to please them. Love them. But don't try to please them. Please God. Right? Please God. He left fishing, left his family, left his friends. Paul had something to say about that in Philippians 3. He was born in the best race. He had the best religion. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. A, a perceived loss for the cause of Christ is not a loss but rather a gain. Anything you lose for the, co- the, cost, the cause of Christ and the gospel's sake is a gain. That family member, I've said it before, I've been, been at funerals, been around sickness, and we've had those times, and 
Months later, I have a family member that call me and say, will you pray with me? I have no one else that will pray with me. And it's not because I'm a great Christian. If I would have dropped out and quit on God during those six months, she would have had no one to pray for, pray with her. We've got to stand fast. We've got to learn that at the time they may not want it, but there's going to come a time when they realize they need it. On that day, he found him. On that day, he followed him. On that day, he had fellowship with Jesus. On that day, boy, I'm glad I found him. You glad you're saved, born again? You remember that day? You're no longer going to hell. You're going to heaven. You got the Holy Ghost in your heart. I no longer hang around parolees. I hang around preachers. Amen? I don't hang around delinquents. I hang around deacons and thin line there, but we won't talk about that in church. Amen. Amen. I'm glad I found him. I'm glad I fellowship with him. And I'm glad that I followed him that day. Notice the time in John 1, in verse 39, it says it was, it was the 10th hour. He looks back 60 years, knows the exact date, the exact hour that Jesus came into his life. It was the 10th hour. That's two hours before dark. It was about four in the afternoon. And I'll tell you right now, whenever it's late in the day, so to speak, in the end time event, perilous times will come. They're already here. Romans 1, we're down on the end of it. It's done depraved and reprobate everywhere you look. It's getting dark. It's get, we're in the book of Jude, amen? Creep, pe people are creeping in. Churches aren't, aren't spiritual. They're sensual. If it feels good, then it must be godly. That's a lie the devil had the pit of hell. And I'll tell you, God's still holy. Be ye holy as I'm holy is what he said. And it's getting darker by the days the news stories are on. And let me tell you right now, we're going to talk about what happened in those days and the weeks bygone, and they're going to increase. We'll keep talking about those days until, until those people have that day that they meet Jesus. It's going to continue to get darker. And when it gets darker, our fellowship should grow stronger with Jesus Christ. It was two hours before dark. It's a dark world. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light. If you got children, they say, turn on the light, the darkness scares me. The world lives in darkness. They said, turn off the light. I like the darkness. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of this world. It'll outshine any darkness of religion. It'll shine any darkness of, of presuppositions of what Jesus is. The Holy Ghost of God can shine through that darkness. And the Bible says that, that the darkness is coming. There's going to be a time, day's going to end when no man can work. We better get on it. It was getting late in the day. Darkness was approaching, but he chose to stay with Jesus. And in these dark days, these dark hours, we individually and collectively, corporately as a church, need to fellowship with Jesus. We may have, and I want to tell you today, we sing and talk about that day. I got this message from one thought a couple weeks ago. I was looking at John 1. And I was sitting there looking at it, and I, I was in the back, and my wife said, what do you do? I said, God is telling me something about this, and I don't know what it is. And pastor, he had, he, I come forward with him. He said, all right, we're having an invitation. As soon as I stood up, God gave me the message. I'm walking, I'm writing, and I, I can't re write half good standing still. I had to go back and decipher it a few days later. And I got to thinking, I saw that day. And I'll tell you, if you're here today and you know, you've never had that day, you may have some good days, you may have some great days, but you'll never have the best day until you have that day. 
That day that you're meeting Jesus is the best day that you ever could have. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your Bible. Thank you for coming along, fishermen, coming along, uh, nobodies on, on, on on our walk in life. Thank you for coming as the Passover lamb, dying the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Thank you for bearing my sin on your cross. Thank you for dying and rising again the third day so I can have life, but not just life, but life abundantly. And Lord, I pray you be with this invitation this uh, morning. And I pray if there's someone here that's never had that day, never met Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. The pianist is going to play. If you would, stand to your feet. I want to ask you, Ms. Robinson, I'm here. I'm going to talk to the Christian. Some here today may not may have already found him and you're saved and born again. I think I'm talking to the majority. But God's telling you to do something else. You're going to follow him this morning? Start today. There's no time for tomorrow. Start today. Follow him today. Maybe somebody in here needs to follow Jesus. Whatever he's calling you to, he'll give you the provisioning for it. He'll give you the power to do it. You say, I don't know. Neither do I. Why am I up here? I don't know, but I just followed him. And it's the best thing you can ever do. You can't run from him. And some this morning are following him. Some have found him. But some haven't fellowship with him in a while. Prayer closet's got cobwebs in it. You got a Bible, sits in your car when you leave today, and it don't get opened back up until next Sunday. Right? Amen. We need fellowship with him. Days aren't going to get better till Jesus comes back. Till that trumpet sounds, it's going to keep going downhill. But you can have joy, you can have peace in this world because of Jesus Christ. And somebody here may not have never found him. Somebody here may not have never found him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're not saved and born again, know that you got a home in heaven. Come forward. If you're a male... I'll get a mail to show you through the Bible how to be saved. I won't introduce you to a religion. I'll re- introduce you to a relationship with God Almighty, Jesus Christ. And if you're a female, I'll get a female to show you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our invitation's open. If you need something, if your heart's not clear, come forward today. Don't leave here without him. God loves you. God loves you. He stepped off the throne in glory to come to this earth, and we won't step out of the aisle to live a day with him. My goodness. My goodness. Salvation's serious. Heaven's serious. Hell's serious for the unbeliever. Can we be serious? Can we follow him? Can we fellowship with him? I'm glad I found him. Amen. Amen.